0: Hi, this is J.P. Mack, and welcome to Liberty Relearn, not just another conservative blog. Okay, uh, welcome to the podcast. Today, as I am saying these words, it's Halloween night. And so, for Halloween, I thought I'd go over some of the things that uh, scare me. Not just tonight. But uh, every night, uh, particularly some of the things that have occurred uh, during this scariest of year, uh, 2021. And so we'll just jump right into it. Halloween, as you may know, is a lead-in to All Souls Day. Uh, Will the soul of the American idea be one we have we lament in the future will 2021 be the year that future historians will cite as the republic's death halloween may be a scary day but 2021 may mark the beginning of a scary era for this country the rise of authoritarianism inflation collectivism and shortages should scare the average american And if the left has its way, we'll continue to do so for the foreseeable future. It's not too late to turn back, but will we? Tuesday, November 2nd, is All Souls Day. is also Election Day. How we celebrate one may affect how we celebrate the other. And so in the spirit of Halloween, here are a list of four real things that scare the hell out of me this Halloween. Not just this Halloween, but this entire year. Uh, First on the list is shortages. This is a man-made catastrophe. When you pay people not to work, this is what you get. Not enough people designing, making, transporting, and selling things. The three major causes are lockdowns, um, people not working, people being not allowed to work, uh, disincentives to work. Um, this would include overly generous unemployment benefits, and unemployment benefits especially that pay m- people more to stay unemployed than to uh, look for work. and. The last one is of course vaccine mandates and of course you can include in there uh over regulation. Sort of uh, two things that are kind of tied together. And so if we look at these uh these occurred in pretty much every every country on earth, you know, except for maybe Sweden. Okay, they continue. Um in other parts in uh, other parts of the world uh, australia most notably and new zealand canada have experienced lockdowns recently um i think one of the states not mistaken in australia just came down from their lockdown restrictions which were the largest the longest of any in the world uh, and, of course, during lockdowns, a lot of people can't work. And so um, the economies of the, those nations and those communities are hamstrung. And uh, part of that are people who can't produce things, can't sell them, can't market them to other people. Uh, and, of course, can't transport them. Particularly if you have restrictions, as they did in Australia uh, against uh going across street lines or state lines so we had we had that lockdowns the government telling you, you can't work um then the uh perverse incentives to not working okay these as I, I mentioned uh overly generous unemployment benefits that pay people more not to work uh and then, uh, in some cases, you could argue also uh, giving the people their um, COVID money, so to speak, um, you know, and not really uh, looking as to need, you know, not giving out according to need, and vaccine mandates, and uh, uh, more generally, regulation. Um the next thing on the list is inflation. Uh, it's another major catastrophe like shortages we're experiencing now. Inflation can be traced to government's interference in the normal economic cycle. It is a combination of money given and not earned and money created to monetize public debt. Inflation is the most regressive of taxes. So let's talk about the first part, that first um as I mentioned it's money given and not earned okay these are this is money that's being given out of people to people or, or sometimes companies um, paying people to stay home basically uh, a lot of this comes from lockdowns and uh, in the United States we had uh, several checks given out um, basically in recompense for the lockdown so people uh, through no fault of their own were not allowed to go to work and so some money was given to them uh, and we could argue you know whether it was needs based or or not um, but the fact is that people were paid for not working not producing uh, not transporting things and not unloading ships um, not working in the ports, not selling the goods and the services. And so that's the problem there, is the fact that whether or not it was needed or not, you could argue, but um, it's the fact that it's not earned, and that's the distinctive factor. And so you have um, people with money to spend and nothing to spend it on. And so you get in inflation and then of course you have uh money created to monetize public debt uh, that's what's you know so-called quantitative easing uh that's when uh the federal bank just creates money out of thin air and of course what you have is more and more dollars chasing fewer and fewer goods which causes inflation inflation of course is the most regressive of taxes. Um, so the really only the people, ironically, you know, um, who are immune to inflation are like the super rich. Okay, everybody else, particularly the middle class and the poor, have to deal with inflation. Now they have to um, either spend more at the grocery store or at the, or at the gas pump, for getting the same amount of gas or food that they were getting a year ago. But paying more for it. Or they have to use less. Or they have to economize. Or um, eat less. Or buy less food. So they have to make that choice. Whether they're going to pay more. Or buy less. And usually that's not a really good choice. Particularly again. When it comes to the fuel pump. Or when it comes to buying food. Um. It's a regressive tax that everybody has to pay. It doesn't matter how much you earn um, matters. You know. Everybody has to pay it because everybody has to eat. Everybody pretty much has to support themselves in some way. Most people have to buy gas. Uh, most people have to put a roof over their heads. And so inflation uh, cuts down the buying power of each dollar. And so, um, the people who cause these um again, this is a man made catastrophe and people who cause these catastrophe as we'll explore later on in the podcast, may be well meaning, but they don't understand, you know, this is an unintended consequence of some of the other, um, I would say, foolish things people are doing, uh, sometimes with good intent, sometimes with not. But uh, inflation is a tax on everybody. No one really can avoid it. The next thing on the list that scares me, particularly started in 2020 and really has gained momentum, you would think that as, you know, particularly, you know, as it relates to COVID-19, you know, you have more therapeutics. We have the vaccines now. And we have different measures, and we have also you know natural immunity all contributing to a decline at least in many places in a number of cases, if not if not deaths and hospitalizations of of covid nineteen so it's interesting how really authoritarianism picked up in 2021 uh, rather than decline in 2020 uh, particularly in a lot of states, um, talking about or a lot of countries. This would be in, in uh, particularly when I think of it, I think of it as in the English-speaking world, the Anglo sphere. Um, so these would be the Commonwealth countries of Canada, New Zealand, and uh, Australia mainly, uh, and in particularly I would say Australia is when they are the most uh, news about and it, where it's authoritarianism has caused people the most pain. And the alarming rise of authoritarianism in Western democracies is just that alarming. It can come from a benevolent place, a patronizing attitude towards the common people. It can come from a sinister place, a sadistic need to control others and delight in their misery. It is condescension made into governmental policy. Utopianism requires tyranny to overcome the basic human need to exercise rational self-interest. And, of course, if you want to hear more about uh, rational self-interest, I have done a number of podcasts now and a number of postings online, libertyrelearn.com. Um, speaking of Ayn Rand in particular, or you can just go directly to the source, and, and if you want to hear about more about rational self-interest, uh, I suggest you pick up a copy of uh, Ayn Rand's either Atlas Shrugged or The Fountainhead or uh, her non-fiction works on the subject, but um, yeah. Or come here, again, if you want to go back to the catalog. And uh, I have a number of uh, podcasts on the subject. And so please feel free. Um, The utopianism, the idea that you can create a perfect society, um, they all require some sort of tyranny in order to make them work. Because, again... It goes against the natural self-interest uh, of people to do so. You know, People who do more want to be paid more. People who try more or have better ideas expect to be compensated more for the work than those who don't. And, of course, the reason that these systems fail is because when a person figures out, well, I'm going to be paid just as much um, regardless of how hard I try, then they start trying less, and and, uh, production goes down, okay, and if the state or the society needs production to be up at a certain level, then authoritarianism, force, um, is the only way to compensate for uh, the lack of looking out, allowing people to look out for their own self-interest, okay, so it always uh, comes down to force and then if this was a you know top four list uh collectivism would be the next one that would uh, rank number one on the list and collectivism this night ranks number one on the list because of the other three authoritarianism inflation and shortages can all trace their roots to its implementation from each according to his ability, to each according to his needs, as the socialist slogan goes. Collectivism rejects the notion of individual rights and sovereignty. Communism, socialism, and fascism are all forms of collectivism. Because they are, uh, because of the, because they are contrary. Uh, These forms of state collectivism require authoritarianism to keep them alive. That is, because they are contrary to basic, um, as I mentioned, uh, basic human instinct um, for uh, looking out for one's rational self-interest. These forms of state collectivism require authoritarianism to keep them alive and going inflation and shortages are a common real world byproduct of collective economic practices especially socialism witness what we have going on in uh, in in Venezuela okay you have um, you have shortages you have mass shortages of common goods ordinary common goods food uh, shelter, uh, fuel, and uh, you also have uh, inflation. Um, because of what they did was, when they run out of money, the money, the wealth that was created by capitalism, then they have to make up for that by printing more of that unit of currency. Uh, whether it be uh, in Venezuela or back in the Weimar Republic back in uh, pre-World War II Germany, you know, they, they had to uh, print, they thought they could print money to cover their debts and they t- decided to monetize their debts in order to pay uh, these huge uh, public works prog- uh, projects and uh, try in an effort to uh, buy the vote. By the support of the people, and so inevitably, uh, and it the collectivism leads to inflationary practices, and so that's why these things go hand in hand. And again, mm-hmm. I want to stress because I think too much is made nowadays, particularly on the right conservative side, about socialism. Um, we forget that fascism is also a form of collectivism. And what we have now is a odd kind of uh, you might call neo-fascism or eco-fascism. And fascism basically is, again to recap, um, nothing against the state, nothing of value outside the state, everything of value inside the state, and nothing against the state. That's basically the credo of fascism. And uh where socialism and communism well, socialism in particular, imagine state ownership, direct state ownership of goods and resources and the means of production. Fascism pays some sort of lip service. Yeah, you know, there's some semblance of private property, but it's not really um private property in the in the truest sense because you can't do what you want with it you can't do what you want with that building or with that land or with your money um it's the state who's directing all of these choices in fascism and so that's comes pretty close to actually what the left seems to be driving towards now um the only element of fascism that's missing from their plan would be nationalism and of course um So there's kind of a hybridized uh, version of fascism, Um, but all all of these uh, leftist um, isms now are getting very close to fascism, again, with the exception of the nationalist um, component to it. Uh, You have everything there. You have the totalitarianism or authoritarianism you have the meddling of state in uh business practice. Um one thing is, I would I like to say is that in fascism is like having the government, the state, uh being at the head of every board of directors and every uh in every uh company and corporation in that in that country um so the uh state always has a stay it's always one of the this the deciders of what the company can do and often it's the decider um again i mentioned i think last week was if you remember the movie and uh, story of uh oscar schindler of schindler's list um he was basically an entrepreneur he was a capitalist. Uh, but during the Third Reich, of course, and under fascism, and under Nazism, he was told basically what to make, how much to make, and uh, who to sell to, who you, know, who you could sell to, who you can't sell to, and what the price was going to be. And so, although, you know, Schindler would have been allowed uh, some flexibility um, with The running day to day of his business, and of course that that uh, expressed itself in him being able to hire certain people um, and save them from the concentration camps of the you know from the the Third Reich from the Nazis, and so he had some say in uh, who he can hire. And so he took that opportunity to save people from the concentration camps. Um, But other than that, um, you know, there was a certain amount that he was expected to pay for each person for the privilege of hiring these people. And, of course, that's how, you know, we get get the famous Schindler's List. Um, So that's a good example of how fascism was working uh, and had its hand in everything and of course you know that caused him to make things like uh, shells uh, you know artillery shells and uh, make bedpans at some point um, you know it kind of directed you know it kind of limited what he was making because whatever he made in his factories had to somehow serve the war effort somehow had to serve the state, and so although he had some, um, some control over what he did, um, his basic objective had to coincide with the objectives of the state, which were not very good at the time, of course. Um, so that's how, um... And again, under uh, Italian fascism, it was basically the same thing, corporatism. um, The uh, state, the the government had a a seat on every board of directors, basically, for all intents and purposes. And, you know, you could do whatever you want to, but you just couldn't do anything against the state that was against the needs of the state. And so that's um, uh, how fascism is a form of collectivism because the state is, you know, is a collective. And uh, it's, you know, in, under uh, socialism and communism, we, we think of, we've been trained to think of the people as the collective making up the collective but it's actually in every case it's the state it's just a matter of uh, outright ownership versus some sort of uh, individual or personal ownership of the means of production so um so i say i think um my critique of many conservatives uh including myself Um, I would have to include myself in this, is mistakenly focusing too much on uh, uh, socialism and um, communism. Um, Because we, you know, we remember back to the Cold War era, you know, we may remember back to the formation of the People's Republic of China and Chairman Mao and all those things he did and taking over the resources and Means of production. There, you remember the uh, Soviet Union. Um, another state, you know, the, the Soviet was the uh, collective, and then of course you had uh, uh, more modern examples in the 20th, going into the 21st century, you know, such as Venezuela. And of course, you had company or countries dabble. Mm-hmm in socialism collectivism but in socialism in particular such as sweden you know, norway and denmark you know these countries the nordic countries that people like bernie sanders like to tell as being a success for socialism uh what he doesn't realize what he expects you not to understand is that these companies were successful economically before and after implementing socialism but not during the implementation of socialism. And so now in these countries, though they have huge um, welfare states, um, they do have a free market economy. It's not a planned economy. And this, of course, is another facet of collectivism um, because globalism, of course, by its very nature, is a form of collectivism. And so you have you know, things like the Great Reset, um, where they're they're talking about after COVID, you know, building back better. Uh, but what the part they don't talk about is, particularly what seems to be going on in this country nowadays, is before you can bail that back better, you know, the things that uh, COVID didn't do naturally. Um, The government is now finishing off that destruction of the economy. And so that is all in the name of collectivism, the idea that um, the whole is greater than the individual parts. And this comes from a misguided idea of altruism, the idea that you're doing things for others. But the concept, um, as Ayn Rand points out, altruism is, at least as as it's been expressed, the collectivism, is that you have, um, you you it basically comes down to mob rule. Basically what it all comes down to. It's, It's when they say it's for the good of the people, good of the ruling class, and you have no, really, you have no collectivist society, particularly uh, a former, a former, formal, sorry, a formal um, collectivist society, such as a fascist society or a social society, where you have organized the economy for the purpose of collectivism, and in, the, in those cases... You have the uh, things like the civil rights of people, individual civil rights being trampled on, and of course you've seen this in the name of fighting COVID. You know, you don't have the natural right, it turns out, of collectivism, to um, the free expression of your religion, not when it conflicts with the stated needs of the collective. Okay, you're expected not to go to church or practice your religion or meet in any large groups uh, for religious purposes because that goes against the needs, so-called needs of the collective. And so you have the chaplain of human rights, religious rights, the the right to uh, assemble, freely assemble um and of course in places like australia you don't have a formalized formalized uh, constitution like we do in the united states we don't they don't have a bill of rights um that clearly delineates their rights in some countries as we did in the united states you know so the australians and the new zealanders and Uh, they don't have um, a Bill of Rights like we do in the United States. And so it's a little bit easier for them to trample on rights. Um, You know, again, the right to the freedom of religion, uh, freedom of association, that would include being able to meet people, you know, to have a a party in your backyard, or attend the funeral or a wedding ceremony or a religious ceremony or a concert. You know, these are all things that we took for granted up until the COVID era uh, a short time ago as our natural rights. And all of a sudden, when the authoritarians had an excuse to take away these rights, they exercised that. And uh, one last thing. Um, As you can tell, again, the collectivism is like the chief evil that all these other evils spring from. The authoritarianism, the inflation, the shortages. Collectivism is the cause of all of these uh, because they deny individual human rights. They deny uh, the right of the individual to act in their own rational self-interest. Now, um, Anne Rand talked about selfishness, but she qualified uh, that term, selfishness, as to being acting in the rational self-interest. And so that's not being uh, selfish as we're taught to think of being selfish. It means uh, doing what makes you happy, um, but not at, at the expense of others. So... Uh, For example, um, someone might well opt to get, you know, voluntarily get inoculated inoculative disease such as COVID-19. You know, they may uh, opt to get vaccinated. And they might do it because they have a loved one or they they themselves um, might not be susceptible, particularly... To a disease but they may have a loved one who is so uh, selfishness can include you know you don't have you don't want anything to happen to that loved one so you, you get yourself uh, immunized and uh, so it's not always for ones being selfish you know and doing nothing for others um because there are plenty of examples of things that we do for others that we do for them because it helps us; it makes us happy. I mean, basically, you know, feeding your kids, putting them through college, giving them a good education, and healthcare—they these are all things that we do for others. Um, and so, rational self-interest. Um, can you know can and does include doing things for others but it's those things that we decide are important that we prioritize and not what someone else prioritizes for us um that's not what you have in a collectivist society you have the collective you have basically the mob deciding what it wants for itself and you're allowed to work within the parameters or exist within the parameters of what the collective wants and the collective needs, um, But it re- in the real world, what it turns out to be is you have, you very quickly develop a two-two um, society. One of the ruling elites, you know, the government and the other ruling elites. And you have the commoners or the serfs um and you know the uh ruling elites will tell you and they tell themselves just some of their actions that you know they're this they're the the trained ones um you know it's kind of like the uh um the the philosopher kings um that utopian society uh speaks about uh, you, you know, they consider themselves the philosopher kings or uh, the administrators. You know, These are people who know better than you, how to organize society. And so you just have to trust them. And you have to subordinate what, you, what your own uh, self-interest is over to them. You, know, you have to subordinate your own uh, wants, needs, and desires to the collective's wants, needs, and desires it always comes down to who gets to decide that and usually that's one person and usually that one person or persons don't practice what they preach um and of course we've seen the hypocritical actions so a lot of people um um like having parties um when the rest of their state uh is not allowed you know they are getting their hair done or getting haircuts Even though beauty salons or barber shops are not allowed to open under COVID restrictions, they find a way to work around these restrictions for themselves and their friends because they feel themselves above such laws. And so you always end up in a collectivist society. You always have at least a two-tiered society. Uh, the ruling class, and the ruled, or the commoners. And that is the essential problem. And, of course, um, these things um, that I mentioned, uh, they give rise to authoritarianism because you can't have a collectivism that goes against basic human nature without authoritarianism. So you have to have force to enforce the collectivism. Uh, and then you also have kind of have to have that carrot and the stick and part of the carrot may be to give all of these largesses to the people, you know, basically to buy their votes is what you're doing or, or to buy their compliance. And how are you going to buy their compliance? Well, you're going to buy it with uh, free daycare or uh, free college tuition or free forgiveness of college debts. You're going to buy their compliance or their vote in a democratic society um, through um, largesses to the people, and this uh, when you run out of money that's been made the old-fashioned way through capitalism and the production of goods and services, uh, then you print the money, and that's what you have, and that's what happened in Venezuela and many other uh communist socialist country you know you have hyperinflation you know in every country that goes through hyperinflation has told itself that they would be able to control it and there was going to be limited time um but then they find out that they need more and more of it uh, to keep the people happy and so you print more money and then you monetize the debt and then you have inflation and along with that, you have the shortages again a man made uh catastrophe. This is where you're um paying people not to work. You're paying people not to move the goods and the services around the country not you're producing them in some cases not to produce and or not to sell or not to market these services to others, not to bring these goods and services to market. So without that, you have shortages. And what happens um, is then you have to go back to authoritarianism. And now you have people telling you, this is what happens particularly, you know, when you think of in the uh, Mao's China, you know, communist China or the Soviet Union, you have people telling you that you are going to be a factory worker you're going to be a farmer because it's what the state needs. And, of course, uh, Mal, you know, with the great leap forward, you know, decided that he was going to make all these professionals um, and merchants. They were all going to be farmers because they needed all, you know, they needed to feed all of these people, all of these millions, and then becoming billions of people. So, that the shortages triggered authoritarianism. And you have this vicious cycle. So now, the people who, in the beginning, uh, they actually kind of get burned because they thought they were going to be living off the, the government. And the government uh, figures out very quickly that there's not enough people. And you have shortages. And so now... They have to force people to work. And all of a sudden, you're taking a test um, to see what sort of job you're qualified for. And you are going to do that job they decide uh, that, that the state needs. And so, you have all of these things interacting each other with each other in a negative way. Uh, but collectivism is the cause of all of it. So, I mean, you you only have to look in the world, you know, 2021 today, particularly when you see countries, these are formerly free countries like Australia and New Zealand, that because of COVID-19 uh, gave these people who always had this latent need for authoritarianism, um, they had this late need to control people and to, you know, to make their utopian society. Uh, these people, these authoritarian leaders were able, were given the excuse to, um, take away. Somebody. And, uh, the excuse always is for the, it's for the great good. And every tyrant that's ever been, uh, has rationalized their actions their tyranny as for being for the greater good um, and as i mentioned the greater good really turns out to be you know it never goes against the greater good of the ruling class and um it ends up that the lower class or the the pleb class or the commoner class or the um surf class, um, is given just enough to keep them from rising up against their oppressors, keep them happy and keep the system working. Uh, you know, you feed them just enough to make the tractors in the factory and keep some sort of economy going. And so you have this, and, but since it all goes against basic human nature, as I mentioned uh, it always falls apart in the end. It's just a matter of time. But before then, you have uh, an evercreasing rise of authoritarianism and totalitarianism going on. You, you know, as the need for the collective to exert its authority, um, the more and more rights, more and more human rights get trampled on. Of course, if you want to think of um, a country that tramples on the human rights um, of the people the most, it's always the more authoritarian countries. It's always the North Koreans of the world or the Communist Chinas of the world. Um, And those with less authoritarianism, um, they generally are the more successful liberal democracies, the um, the capitalist countries. These are the ones that have less authoritarianism because you have to have freedom. You know, capitalism works with freedom. And uh, so you have freedom and capitalism working synergistically um, to reinforce each other. And, but you have kind of the opposite happen with collectivism. You have collectivism, and authoritarianism, working uh, synergistically against the um, people, against their human rights, and against their freedoms. And so these are on this Halloween. These are the things that scare me. Now, of course, I could give a couple of honorable mentions. Um, many of them fit into somewhere, into one of these categories, particularly collectivism. Uh, you have wokeism, you know, the dividing up of people into groups and pitting them against each other. So you have wokeism or uh, you, know, you have critical race theory being taught. Um, these things that are naturally divisive um, ideologies. These are the the religion of the collectivism these are the secular religion of uh, collectivist societies you know wokeism leftism uh etc and pitting people against one against each other um black against white male against female uh, straight against gay etc etc uh, basically to in an effort to broke down break down the cohesion of society in the uh, aim of building it back up again, you know, building back better, so to speak, in their minds. Um and so causes all of these evils, um, and these are all topics, you know, basically everything every every podcast to date probably deals with some evil or something that um malfunction of society that had, can be traced to collectivism and uh, authoritarianism and the interaction between those two. And so I think we covered a lot of ground, actually. Um, and the other thing that scares me is the um, complacency of the people. Um, people are just willing to go along with it, you know, and go along to get along. You know, you know, they figure, you know, maybe they can be one of the ruling class, or, you know, they just play ball. They can be one of the people who wind up on top, you know, when the revolution comes. And so that that scares me, the number of people who are just willing to go along. But it is a normal human trait, I should say. And it's something that Dennis Prager has pointed out, that people, the natural state of people is to want to be taking Cared, care of, or cared for. You know, the people want to be cared for, as opposed to freedom. Freedom is a learned value. Okay, and so it's not a value innate in people. It's it tends to be a learned value. And so, as long as you're taking care of people, they're very all too uh, ready to give up almost any freedom um, for uh in exchange for uh for you know being taken care of so that's kind of alarming and of course it's kind of alarming the people who are willing to go along with such doctrines you know particularly you know we're in the living lifetime of many people who grew up under you know believing that martin luther king was right and that his nonviolent strategy of people uh, being allowed to assimilate you know into the american dream and you know partake in the american dream equally you know and the idea of judging people not by the color of their skin but the content of their character that's that's in the memory of many people living today and then there's people including myself who were brought up uh believing and knowing that's right and that's meshes with our our Christian beliefs, and right? the Judeo-Christian philosophy, um, the teaching of Martin Luther King Jr. You know, meshes, and Gandhi comes to mind too, uh, even though he was a Christian, but his, his methods and his uh, you know, vi- you know, non-violent protest idea uh, meshes nicely um, into our Judeo-Christian values of Western civilization. And so it, it's very alarming. how I many people are very uh at ease with the idea of just, you know, they say, you know, a common refrain is, you know, we want to burn the whole thing down, we want to burn the whole system down. And they haven't given too much thought of what they want to build it back up with. Uh, what's going to replace it after they burn it down? Because they've only been taught what was wrong with it. And so you have things like the 1619 Project, um, teaching a distorted version of American history. You have people like Howard Zinn, uh, of course, You know fueling that, and uh, with his atrocious version, distorted version of American history. And then you, know, you have the 1619 Project, and you have the marginalization of the religious... You know, you, you have um, you know, religions replaced with, you know, secular religion and, you know, what has, what good has that done? You know, how, how's that been working out for you? We've gone through a generation or, or three now of large control of, you know, of secular religion, um, such as climate change, alarmism, uh, environmentalism but in a very negative way you know like i say climate changeism uh leftism you know how have you know we've been under the sway for uh, a generation or so now and how's that been working out for you or is society gotten better or worse objectively i would suggest that society has gotten worse and so the people who want to tear down uh, capitalism and rebuild that and some sort of collectivist society some utopia uh first need to understand that utopia cannot and will not ever exist um, because it can't and also that they need to um, consider well what they're going to replace it with you know you tear down western civilization. Well, Western civilization gives you those values that you bastardized into your altruistic or uh, collectivist thinking. So, so ironic that you want to tear down the very Western civilization that gives you the value and that you may have distorted beyond recognition, but you, that you're trying to practice with altruism. You know, it's it's Western... Civilization that gives you those things in, in the first place. So you have that ironic kind of effect, which maybe I'll I'll speak of more lately. But these things, um, just the willingness of people to go along with this and just shed their freedom. Um, you know, what they consider what used to be considered unanimously or universally as basic human rights. You know, the rights of life liberty and pursuit of happiness the, the right to uh, worship as one sees fits and associate with those one wants to associate with these were all considered universal uni- universally considered human rights up until about two years ago so it's alarming how this people how easily some people made the switch and now we're also kind of seeing the, the pain and that um uh, and then you, you there's a lot of stories we'll of Australia now of constables, member of the police forces, they're quitting their jobs, they realize that they're on the wrong side because of history, and um they don't like doing what they're being told to do enforcing these lockdowns, and of course, they're getting a lot of deserved bad press of um you know beating people up for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, and all of these authoritarian measures that are being you know, people cannot you know, you have these construction workers that cannot get on with the the work of constructing the things that society needs. And and these people can't run their small businesses. And they're tired of it. a lot of them are tired of it and there's a lot of problem, there's a lot of public uprising. Uh, particularly in Australia and now you have uh, maybe it's just a trickle but it is a growing number I think of people in the police force involved with law enforcement saying you know enough is enough I'm not doing this anymore and so I mean that is kind of uh, kind of encouraging that some of these or all of these things hopefully that are scary now particularly to freedom loving people Um, so these, these are things that, uh, freedom loving people should be scared of, but, um, know that you can, we can overcome them if if our determination, if our, if our will is equal to the task, um, is equal to the the collectivist, I think the people who believe in freedom, you know, will win out eventually they do seem to win out and that's a good thing so but in the meantime it's kind of scary the direction we're going and i'm not sure we're going uh how long we're going to stay in that direction i think it's going to be uneven um our turnaround uh is going to happen we may control uh, continue down the road of authoritarianism with the mandates for a little while longer of help you know helps people you know helps collective you know there's a synergistic effect between collectivists and authoritarianism you, you know you have that synergistic effect and so the more you want of the other the more you have to have of the other so um you have that but it is scary how many people are willing and we're willing to just um, go along with the program and even just abandon what hitherto had been considered human rights of uh, of uh, the right to uh, freedom of association, freedom of religion, and freedom of speech, and how how easily people were ready to not just give those up, but in some cases forcibly take them from others. And that's a little bit scary. So that's your Halloween thought. Of course, you probably won't hear this until after Halloween, but still. Um, something to um, to think about and to contemplate over the next week until we meet again at libertyrelearn.com and Liberty Relearn the podcast. And also, I appreciate you uh, listening to this Halloween special as it is. And hopefully you've had, by the time you heard, heard this, a safe and happy Halloween and we look forward to next big american holiday of thanksgiving and uh but until then we'll have a few episodes a few more things to talk about between then uh so thank you for listening and until then stay healthy and happy and free and be not afraid thank you